0: And welcome to Sanctuary First Late Show, the podcast that seeks to look out and find unusual connections that allows us to bring together inspiring people to think about ways in which we can begin to transform our communities and our personal lives. And I'm joined by my usual colleagues. A big welcome to uh, Laura Digan, who's with us tonight.
1: Hello, everyone. Good to be here.
0: And also we have with us uh, Ian Jimmison, the doc as he's known, and joining us again tonight. Hey guys, good to see you. And you know, Ian and Laura, we've got two really inspirational people with us tonight to going to give us a, a, a real shot in the arm to think about inspiration and innovation. Uh, we've got Scott Shackleton, who's with us tonight, and Scott is um, uh, head of the Church of Scotland's Faith Action Programme. Just hands. Uh, uh, yeah. to see everyone. Uh, and joining Scott is uh, Hannah Sanderson, who's in charge of the Church of Scotland's innovation program. And I think uh, so it, it will be interesting to have these discussions going on this evening. So welcome everyone. Hi
2: welcome everybody.
0: Hannah.
2: Hi, Good to be yeah. here with you. all
0: Great. So listen, one of the things I wanted to introduce folks, if you're listening in, and this is the first time you've been to this podcast, is the whole idea of seeking to find inspiration in our lives is so important. And in this podcast series over the last few months, we've found some really interesting and inspiring people. And I'm going to ask you, Ian, anyone in particular, any any inspirational person
3: that's been on here that's just touched you and got you going? I, th- I think I would say the, the guy, one of the guys that touched me most, I mean, most people that we have on the podcast are inspirational, but I love that conversation we had with Jalomo, the, the artist guy, because I'm a musician, but he's an artist. And he was able to take me to a different uh, way of thinking, a different way of being, and a different way of like looking at the world. Um, he was also able to articulate how his faith Moved them in his art, which I found really exciting and enriching, and and I found myself for days afterwards kind of like looking at the world around me and seeing it in in a different way through artist's eyes. Yeah. It, it was so special, um, and he himself as well. He, you know he talked about his process, and and I think the thing the thing with art is that you know you can your process is very much. It's unique to you but at the same time there are commonalities of process um, that go between art um, and different artists of different streams so for me as a musician um, to hear how Jolomo would put together a picture and where he would start from from, and the idea of painting the cross and the blank canvas really resonated with me as a Christian musician because in a sense when we go into the studio we start off with a blank canvas but we bring our faith to it which puts yeah. the cross on it and then we kind of move on from there so to me uh Jolomo was inspiring his artwork really spoke to me, I hadn't really encountered it before Um and it kind of took me to a, a, another place, a deeper place and, and that's the brilliant thing about inspiration and about art is it takes you out of where you are right at that moment in time and it puts you somewhere different yeah. um, which is amazing It's you, you, you can't I, I can't get enough of that can't get enough of looking at the world with different eyes and a different perspective it's amazing yeah.
0: So this is what we're going to be looking at tonight. I think this is going to be the interesting thing is this idea, inspiration and innovation and where it starts and how do you start the whole process of innovation and where do you get the inspiration from? And of course, Jolomo is talking about, he said that he, 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 he never really, uh, he knows where to start for the inspiration because he puts this cross on his, on his, his on his canvas. Uh, and I thought that was just a uh, great what you just mentioned there. Also, Ian, just, the other thing that got me going about that one was he also. I asked him a question about do you think do you think music has colours, and he talked about how he thought certain colours had 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 a musical tone to them. But that's for another discussion. We can maybe pick up on some of that in the discussions uh, later on tonight. But uh, Laura, anything that's touched you? Uh,
1: well, recently we had uh, Tommy McNeil um, on the Late Show. Um and he was talking about his book, The Sleeping Giant, um and I I found that a really energizing um discussion to be involved with, you know it's like uh, for, for ministers in the Church of Scotland just now, um many are not energized, <laughs> um mm-hmm. many are really struggling, and uh, just with all the change that's happening, yeah. um the um. You know, presbytery planning, church is going to be closed, you know, and it really is, um, you know, it really has, you know, brought a lot of ministers down. But to see, to be part of that discussion with Tommy, I just felt, I felt really energised. And, and it made me think about the part that I personally have to play for our church, you know, that our church isn't isn't dead, you know? Because we're the church. We might not have so many buildings and things like that in the future, but we, the people, are the church. And so that 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 for me was really energising. And for people who maybe also found that a really energising and exciting conversation, I have found out that um, uh, there'll soon be a conference. Um, they'll be doing a Sleeping Giant conference in Perth um, soon as well, so people can look out for details of
0: that. Absolutely. And do you know something? You know that phrase? Uh, uh, we, we Musicians, people were playing. Ian and I used to always hear the musician, especially Campbell Dye, used to always say, less means more. We don't need so much in here. Let's take something out. Less means more. And, you know, there's maybe something for us to learn in our innovative way as we approach church, as we see less, it can actually mean more, because we start creating opportunities for more things and bigger things and, and more things to to be to be part of what we're doing. But that's the interesting thing. I one of the can I share one of the ones that got me was actually the last podcast we did with oh. uh, with Brian uh, Brian Honey Morgan, and he was talking about this whole food wastage thing. And it was inspirational what he has actually been able to do is to begin to have a concept to feed the world. And uh, if, if you haven't heard this podcast, go back to last month's podcast and listen to it because it's well worth listening to. Because as well as our talking about our being inspired by going up to the Refuel Eve, Eve Festival, we were also talking about the importance of uh, just the inspiration that was coming from a... Brian and his, his his food waste project so yes there are some inspirational things that happen in this podcast and tonight folks we're going to hear more inspirational stuff mm-hmm. so I've gone over to you Scott uh, just to talk to you a little bit about uh, one of the things is we want to just talk to you a wee bit about is um, your head of faith action program uh what's all that about and why have you got involved in innovation? Why do you think innovations are key to this faith action program taking taking
4: off? Um, so the first thing is, is um, we have to make some money, the Church Church of Scotland, so uh, to pay for ministers and keep churches open. To accept uh, the the congregational giving is going to be less in the future. Um, and, and, and just to hold the line, we, we need a certain amount of money, and it's quite a lot of money each year. something <clears throat> about forty million pounds to run ministries, um, which is part of my job and And if I'm going to even hold the line on six hundred ministries then then I, I need money to do that. Now, in the past, the way we got money and we've kind of taken it for granted is that people went to church on a Sunday and they gave their money through through free will offering. Uh, through their envelopes. We counted it all up and, and that paid for the, the ministry of the Church of Scotland about 1,600 parishes and, and about a 1,000 ministers. Uh, in the last 20 years, that's been knocked down to, we've dropped by 60%. So that has a direct effect on our, on our income and how much money we have to do our jobs. So one of the things that I really like about uh, about the role that I've got is that, for pre- perhaps for the first time, anyone in my position connected to the Old Ministries Council's mission discipleship, world mission, and and church and society, um, because we're in that financial uh, deficit of about ten to fifteen million pounds a year, um, I've been asked to go forth and make some money, and the way you make some money. Um, <laughs> is firstly, you talk about it honestly and say, we need more money. And once we know that and say that, we say, okay, how are we going to get some more money? And we've created a a, a new type of, well, two new things. We've created a a small team called Resource and Presence, which are looking at all our businesses that we've got at the moment. So we've got two hotels in Israel, one in Galilee and one, one in Jerusalem. We've got a school in Tel Aviv which has Jewish kids, Muslim kids and Christian kids all all going along. Um, And these are businesses that we need to run. Uh, We have Life and Work magazine. We own St Andrew's Press, et cetera, et cetera. So so the Church of Scotland and my part of it has businesses um, that we need to make sure make money. And they make money because people think they're worthwhile things to do. And they give us money for the products that we supply. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is we've got Hannah now and Dan coming in with this brand new team, which I'm sure Hannah will talk about in a minute, which is to innovate uh, new pieces of work for us as a church that we haven't maybe thought about and to create new events for our church that we haven't done before. So I'm one of my things is I want to see some mega churches set up and tour the country. And I'd love Sanctuary First to be the ones behind it. Yeah, and we we go and we take on a big theatre, you know, once a quarter and we fill it with 2,000 people, you know, and we ask people to give us 10 quid a ticket and we regenerate that money and put it back into Sanctuary First and into mission and supporting local charities in local area. So, um, I think that the one thing that I'm not bad at is I'm maybe not a great, I have a great imagination for doing things that are completely. Un, unusual like Jaloma but I'm a risk taker within reason and we've got nothing to lose and it's a good position to begin because I can work with people like you guys and we can crack on and hopefully produce stuff from the Christian church point of view that really excites people who maybe never thought in a million years the Church of Scotland would be a place for them to be part of and Sanctuary First so that's quite good fun There's a freedom to it now. Uh, We do have nothing to lose, everything to gain, um, and we've got £10 million to find. So it's a great challenge. I'm really excited about it, and, um, you know, we're part of of the journey for the overall church in Scotland.
0: I noticed how you came in right away to talk about money. You know, the first thing you you talked about was money. But the reason there is, I would imagine, can I suggest partly, is that we need people who want to give us their money? Even if the church has Scotland had reserves to use, that reserves is dead money. But if people give you their money because they're buying into what you're about, it's yeah. live money. It's money that is buying into that people feel we own this. It's ours, and so you. So that's one of the reasons why I think it's important to highlight that for innovation, because it <clears throat> is not just about <clears throat> producing something. Because we can produce it, because we've got we get some reserve somewhere, but it's because people are longing for it and they're buying into it and they're owning it. I think, I think that's a big thing when we think about money.
4: Yeah, and it's kind of really in the church we we struggle to to say the word money. You know, and and, I, and I, the reason I say it quite a lot is money makes the church go round. We're not uh, like the health service and it comes out of taxes. And that's another debate with, with Dr. <laughs> Dr Ian. But but sometimes people forget if they do not contribute to their local church, there's every chance their local church will shut.
0: That's right. So listen, if that's a good advert. So listen, if you're not contributing to this podcast, get yourself organised. <laughs> get on with it. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I I do I know this is that I don't want to like kinda of go off topic, but I do find it challenging, especially because I'm in an area um, where actually people don't have a lot of money. Um that but they, they try to give in other ways, you know, so they try to give um either time, um either gifts. Um and it's but I I I do do worry about the future. You know, I try to Trust God, and that God's going to provide for us. But I do think, well, you know, what about you know, will we be like swallowed up because you know we're in a like a deprived area, you know that that doesn't have a lot of you know money um, coming in. Um, so I do find that I I, I do find that just listen, a wee bit challenging, and and I would imagine actually, and it's good actually actually to, to open it up and and probably. Um, tease a wee bit more out there, Albert, because I do think maybe listeners as well Absolutely. might be challenged um, and have a wee bit like you know I can I can feel it in me <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Do you know something, Laura? Can I tell you something about this whole giving thing? It's interesting that um, I I once spoke to Pastor Raj in India, and he said to me, he said, Albert, when the poor give their money, God blesses it. And it goes further than the rich people's money. And I, I, I stopped and I thought about that, and there was something quite powerful about that. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I actually think he's right that somehow that's the miracle that so that no one is excluded from giving. And and I remember also, can I tell you another thing? If in, in this whole this topic, when we had a group over from the church, and he took us out for dinner. And Raj, they're very poor. This is a poor, poor community in India. And Raj, the, the pastor, bought us all dinner. Now, it was it, it was a lot of money he spent for that. And the next day, I didn't want to embarrass him, but the next day, when everyone went away, I, I went to Raj and I, I offered him money to pay for the dinner. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Bogle, he called me Pastor Bogle. <laughs> he said, Pastor Bogoli, you must allow the poor to be generous. Mm. Mm. And he said, I will give as God has touched my heart and I trust God. And that was the other end of, that was, the, that was me getting my fingers nicely wrapped to be careful that when we speak for the poor, we are speaking for the poor, and we're not speaking because we think in some way we're defending the poor. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, uh, I agree with you, Laura. I'm not, but that was an insight into what it is about how we can encourage people to give. But small amounts.
3: I I would like to just add that, you know, I worked for a for a very short period of time when I was a trainee in a very affluent practice in a very affluent area, which is entirely against you know where I kind of come from in my head and where my medical life has led me. Um, but I have never experienced the generosity of spirit and also the generosity of giving, of time and resource than I have since the practice that I work in, which is what's called a deep end practice. And that's a practice that, a, you know, the people that, that I deal with, a lot of them are really very poor indeed. Um, but yet, these are the very people that will take their time to give you something like hearing or just something. And it means such a lot um, to be given these gifts but also the gifts of people's time and the gifts of people's encouragement um, it, it, it's an amazing thing and the other thing I was going to go on to say about money is that when you when you pay for something in a sense what you're doing is you're signaling your ownership of it. now when it comes to faith in a way you're signaling your ownership of your faith and what you're doing is you're investing. something that's good and true and deep about yourself. And so few times do we actually get the chance in life to invest in something that is something true to our very core of our being, or true to something that we're seeking, or true to something that we've experienced. A lot of the money we spend is just in nonsense things, you know, things that don't mean anything, um, you know the bag of crisps that you didn't need, or whatever. But that that little bit of money that you spent on that, if channeled in the right way, is going to come back and bless you more than say the bag of crisps ever will, you know, <laughs> or the, or or the new guitar ever will. Um, it's not <clears throat> to, it's not going to bless you. Although I hope these guitars bless other people. Um, but certainly, I I think it's important though. I think when you when you when you give. Uh, they say it's much better to give than to receive. I think that's a true thing. It's a yeah. true thing. Well, listen,
0: I wonder. I wonder I bring, sorry, I wanted to bring Hannah in here because I think actually we've touched on a bit of innovation here and a bit of inspiration because it's a wee bit, a wee bit edgy, and that's what I like because it's there that we start hearing the spirit of God speaking to us, and we start seeing that what we are talking about, and this might be the very core of what needs about, brings about the renewal of the church when we start seeing God's people understanding what it means to be church today and be part of it. But um, Hannah, h- h- inspirational things, innovation, you've been given this task. Is money involved in it with you as well?
2: Well, obviously I will personally be giving the 40 million to Church of Scotland for the next three years. I feel that's what I can give. Uh, No, not at all. But I I want to go back to um, the original question, which at the very top, which was, you know, where's the inspiration? Where's the inspiration coming from? Because I think you're right. I think inspiration leads to innovation and we can't separate anything about church from our discipleship. Our discipleship, all of me, is a Christian. And so wherever my life is, wherever I touch reality I am a Christian in that space. And our money is part of our 360 degree relationship with God. Our time, as Laura said, our resources, what do we give? And I think the real hub is where's the energy? Now, you can get, you you know, energy is an interesting word, isn't it? Because I think sometimes we could say, where's the Holy Spirit? And that's what we mean by energy. But if we're talking to people who perhaps, you know, aren't so interested in Christian jargon, we say, where's the energy? Where do you feel the buzz? Where, 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 where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And I always think, I say to people, what gets you up at 6 a.m.? Now, I know that Laura gets up at 6 a.m. often to look after her animals, her horses and her dogs and things like that. They are part of her life. They are part of her love. And she wouldn't give them up for all the tea in China, whether she was a minister, an accountant, a dentist. She would still have those animals and she would still love them. So that's part of her and that's where her energy is. So sometimes I think when we talk about innovation in church, we separate out church from the rest of us, which I think is quite unhelpful. If you've got passion and personal motivation and energy Mm -hmm. for horses – You're going to be talking to horsey people. You're going to be going to horsey things. You're going to be interested in those places. And you take Christ with you into those places. You take Christ with you into those relationships. Mm. So if I'm saying, where can we innovate? I would say, well, let's just start talking about God while you're with those horsey people. Let's do both. Because Laura takes her full self into those situations, she's not censoring the faith heart mm. in her. So, and Hannah,
1: that's um, Hannah, that's actually my pioneering ministry. But uh, in a few years' time, i will be hey! able to pay money for. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that that is actually where my heart is for, for, um, in the
2: future. Right? Yeah. So, so, so where, you know, where if I don't think we have to go to people and say you need to be more innovative in church, you need to work harder at growing the church. I want to say, where are you already passionate? Where could we not even stop you if we tried? And how can we help you highlight God in that? and not in a really hit you over the head with the bible way but just by being your full transparent self how can i in innovation in building a culture of innovation support you to be fully yourself in the places where you already feel alive and how can i help you come alongside you with mentoring with grants with money with with resources and say how can i help you if so, if you know football's your thing then how can i help you Start up doing a barbecue at the end of matches and feeding people, feeding the kids who've got there who haven't got a lunch to go home to. How can I help you get the grant Mm. money for a minibus so that you can go around all the different villages and pick up the kids who wouldn't be able to come to football if we didn't do that? How can I help you be the full expression of Christ in the places that you already love to be in? And that is where the energy is.
3: But I wonder if, though, that is what comes from God. That's what comes from a relationship Absolutely. with Christ, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, these things are not putting our hearts for nothing. Amen. We, we, don't, we don't feel that stuff for no reason at all. Those ideas that you get flashing across your mind, um, these are there for a reason. Yeah. And we need to listen to them. Yes. And realise that they come from something out with us. We've got our own desires, yes, but the things that really, really light us up are often not our own desires. We sometimes... Modern society conjures into thinking that it's all about you, but (laughs) it's not about you at all. Nothing's about you. That's the big con. It's all Mm -hmm. about... It's not all about you. It's all about you insofar as you recognise that it's about others, I
2: think. I once heard I once heard a lovely image of, um, you know, when we talk about gifts from God, you know, and sometimes you say, oh, you know, I've got this gift from God. And the thing about a gift is that um, when you receive it, there is a time before you have the gift (laughs) and then you get the gift and then you have the gift. And sometimes when we use the phrase gift from God. You know, people think, well, I don't remember I don't remember getting something from God. You know, I don't have any gifts because I don't remember that process. I don't remember the receiving moment. But what we have to remember is God is out with of time. So he knitted you together. He knitted you together and he gave you those gifts at that point. So if you come out and you say, well, I've always been theatrical. That's not a gift from God. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. God oh. made you. To be that, and God wants you to be in the flow in that fashion and in that passion, and that's right. still a gift. Just because you can't remember getting given it doesn't mean it wasn't a gift.
0: But you hey guys, do you not think we're getting inspirational here? Oh, yes. We're getting a wee bit of the movement of the yeah. spirit here coming upon
3: mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Do you know? What? I- sorry i've I,
1: go on, you go you know, no
3: i was gonna say that, that there's a thing that you feel sometimes in, in my job um and there's a thing that you feel as well in my musical job um both times and sometimes you'll do something Um, it might be something dramatic and sexy medical, or it might be some bit of music that you come up with. But there are times where you feel that thing. You think to yourself, this is what I was made for. Mm -hmm. This is what I was made to do. And I think at that point, that's where we begin to really sense what it is to be alive in the creator and to be with the creator. It's when you get that feeling. And everybody, I'm sure, will have experienced that. Or if you haven't, you will experience that, where you can you just have that sense of, I am the right person at the right time doing the right thing. And it's a blessing. And, and it's beautiful. And I think then you actually sense the eternal. I think you can sense that you were always meant to be there. You were always meant to do that or say that or touch that person, or um, sing that song, you just know it. You know that that was it. That's what you were made to do. It's a beautiful thing. I love to see it in my colleagues when they're doing great work. I love to see it in other musicians when they're doing great work. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, do you know, I'm I'm really excited, and I, and I'm really excited by this conversation, but I also, um, I work in the Church of Scotland. I grew up in the Church of Scotland. I, I also, you know, I know the pace, actually, that, that it works at. And so what I would like to know is, is like, like, what are the challenges for you in this as you try to bring about this spirit of, you know, innovation? um And, and how can we overcome, you know, like the barriers to, because the way that you've explained it, as you know, it's it's so accessible. You know, like like people might be thinking, "All right, I that, that kind of makes sense to me. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm into that." But I, I can imagine that there is actually quite a lot of challenges as well. Do you want um, that
2: Scott, or do you want do you me that, or do you want yeah, to uh, to 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 that
4: Scott? To... <laughs> I tell you what, it'd be more interesting. I have only been in the headquarters for two years, having spent my my whole life working in the church with unchurch people. Um, uh, doing innovative stuff uh, as a minister. Um, So I don't really understand the National Office particularly well, which is maybe a blessing because I've got no baggage with it. So, Hannah, you've been there for quite a long time. Do you want to answer that?
2: Well, the difficulty with me, Scott, is that I'm really honest. So you're going to have to give me some form (laughs) of kind of level of how much honesty... You want in this live program? Are we looking at a level of two? Are we looking at a level of eight? What level of honesty are you looking for? I I
4: think, I think as long as you depersonalise it. um, I think
2: I think there's I think there's loads of challenges, actually. Um and um but there's also loads of blessings. So I I joined the Church of Scotland in 2016 um and our, my husband and i have worshipped in pretty much nearly every denomination going um and at, just before we joined the church of scotland we were at a very kind of charismatic kind of um independent community church kind of a vibe and i remember when i said that i was going to be working for the church of scotland some of my friends said to me oh oh no oh we're going to pray for you oh oh no you know don't don't oh goodness me you know and i remember um, one somebody actually once said to me, "Oh my goodness they 'll suck the Jesus out of you and I thought, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my goodness, what am I going into what 's happening here And do you know what since i 've worked there for nearly eight years, I have been blessed by the breadth and the depth of the theology that I have come across. People in, in those headquarters where I work, they love God and they love the church and they want to respect the full spectrum of people's beliefs. They want to understand why things are happening and where things are coming from. And I have been moved and challenged in my personal walk with Christ and I have grown and in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in that breadth and in that scope. And it's been such an encouragement. And I think that sometimes we forget actually how good a church we are, how much we care. We're not just out there willy-nilly saying whatever we want. We're thinking about our theology. We're thinking about where does this fit? Where does this fit with equality? Where does this fit with standing up for the poor? Where does this fit with who and what Church of Scotland is? And we have to remember that Church of Scotland started by saying we want a worshipping community in every geographical presence. We want a school so that we can bring up education. We want a Glebe land so that people can raise their animals free from the tyranny of landlords. So the Church of Scotland has always been about 360 degree well-being. That God and Christ is not a cerebral exercise. If God's not making your life better, then we're not doing church right. And that is the legacy of Church of Scotland, and we forget it. And now all we're coming along and putting a big shiny badge on the front and saying this is innovation. Well, innovation does not start with me, and it does not start here in 2023, because the Church of Scotland is innovating, always reforming. And across the nation, people are there doing amazing, innovative things, and we want to lift them up, share the learning and support them, because boy, are we already doing it.
0: Do you know what, Hannah, I I think it's refreshing to hear you say that, because it has always been my experience in the Church of Scotland. I've never been stopped from doing anything. We couldn't stop you if we cried, Albert. (laughs) <laughs> you know, presbytery. Nobody in presbytery time ever said to to William McPherson and I, "You can't sail a boat across Atlantic. You can't do this. You can't do that. Or you can't put a big screen in the in the nineties when we put up a big the first big screen in our church. A, a, you know, a video screen. You can't do that." There was nobody saying you can't do that. I think th- there's always and it's the same with the whole story of of George of. You know George MacLeod and the Iona community, all coming out of the Church of Scotland, you're absolutely right. We just need to sometimes celebrate some of the, the, of the past, but then start to encourage people to say, we can still do it today.
4: Yeah, yeah I think, um, I mean, I'm sat in my dad's study here uh, in Glasgow, and, you know, for 30-odd years, he was in Bridgeton and St Francis East, and they paid their way. and and he never regarded himself as a priority area he regarded himself as as being in the best place in the world and and you know if they couldn't make the money themselves because people were poor and still are poor in the east end well he, he paired up with people who had money and he found other other ways of working with trusts doing something that that people with money thought was valuable in our city and and every year they there was a huge drive Picking up cans from the street, ginger bottles, to pay their eighty grand or whatever the number was back then, to pay for the minister's stipend and pay away, because they didn't ever want to feel as if they were taking from the wealthy. Now it's changed a bit now, and it's it's much harder than it was back in the in the fifties and sixties and seventies, when Dad was working with with George MacLeod and some quite incredible ministers incredible ministers and it's more difficult in the mission field now than it's ever been because society has changed in its view of what the church is and even how we use language as we've just done is, is unintelligible to people who don't know religion. And so back in Dad's day, most of the kids knew their chaplain who came into the school. Most of them had been in a church. They knew in Glasgow if they went into a Protestant school, as they called it, or a Catholic school. It was rooted in our society. What's happened um, in the last 20 years is, and this is no fault of anyone in the church, it has been uprooted, that sense of a Christian civilization. And that's my mission, is really going back a step further where we need to go into the marketplace with Paul and point at that that statue with the unknown God and say that God is not Zeus, like the Marvel gods, because that's how people who are younger understand the concept of God. We need to start with our God was crucified. Mm-hmm. Our God is apparently weak, and yet our God was the God of love, which is undefeatable. And, and so when we talk to people as missionaries in the street, we need to use their language. The commando um, ethos is um, be the first to understand where you are. And that's what the church needs to start doing theologically. It needs to understand where we are with what, with the people we're with. Once you understand where you are, you can be the first to adapt to your situation. You're then the first to react to that situation and what's needed, and then you'll be the first to overcome the commando mindset and ethos. Now, we need to have that as a church, and when we do that and we understand the needs of our people, which aren't very different to the needs of the people in the gospels, yeah, when we understand that, we will talk their language, and when we talk their language, um, the kingdom vernacular as Stoddart Kennedy the World War One Padre called it, when we speak the kingdom vernacular, the kingdom slang that our people speak, then we start to win them over because they understand what we're talking about. And so it's really important we understand where we are in Scotland today. We understand our context, we understand our culture, we live and we work with our people. And that is the amazing thing about parish ministry and chaplaincies and hospitals and hospices and prisons, in that we walk with our folk. And by walking with them, we understand their needs. And it's different in every place. So it's really exciting. And the, our job is not to get the people who already give money to give more, really. That's not what I'm after. I want to get money from people who have got lots of money and we make a tangible difference in their community and in our nation and they don't give us anything and they don't recognize how how bereft our nation would be if the Church of Scotland was not there. So I love my church. I absolutely love the history of my church but every 500 years this church goes through a reformation. Columba, David and Margaret, John Knox, 500 years later from 1560, here we go again. So it's
0: Yeah, it. we so it's absolutely. Good. Going through our reformation. But the interesting thing too is that you're talking about there, Scott, is there's a great similarity in that we're reaching people at the, when children are being born, being able to yeah. say something to celebrate the good things in people's lives to celebrate when people come together in a union and they meet and love one another, to celebrate when people's lives have come to an end and to be able to offer these rites of passage. And and I, and, and I think we've, we need to buy more into that and we need to start engaging with people to say, the church is open for you to be involved in these things because often that's a touching point for a lot of people.
4: Yeah, and it's interesting when you... So again, if you look back, back, back over the years at the statistics of the number of, of baptisms that we would have in a parish, number of weddings that we would do, the uh, number of funerals, and, and also from baptisms perhaps membership of the church. So what we have to face up to is the harsh reality is that our statistics on that is absolutely minimal now. On average, one baptism a year in a parish, one wedding a year. The funerals are now 50-50 with humanists. Okay, so so that teaches us that there's a disconnect somewhere with how, what language we use, what we offer people in these rites of passage, a Christian rite of passage, and, and how we, we need to reconnect with people. Because the truth is, you'll only pick up a christening if people know who you are now, and therefore it's about relationship. And, and trust me, I have learned that through 30 years, that you start with relationship and trust and you work your patch and then people be- begin to understand what it means to bring a baby for a baptism and what it means to say, I want to be part of this Christian community. Now, again, 30 years ago, Albert, these were givens, these these numbers, that they happen they They don't happen now. So it's much harder for Laura and the gang coming through, through now than it was even in my day 30 years ago but in my dad's day 50, 60 years ago it was part of the natural way of life so again we need to reconnect with that but we can only reconnect with that if we've got people on the ground who can do it we've got churches that are open ministers, ministry teams and that's money to get that and therefore we need to get new money we need to get new money and we do that by being wonderfully innovative one just as you are, Albert, and you've done your whole career. And Sanctuary First wouldn't be here if you weren't innovative and taking risks. We need more of that, and we need to encourage it. The one thing I would say to be fair to Laura is, uh, and sometimes you feel discouraged for for doing new things, right? That that that's, mm-hmm. and it can get you down. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's our job not to be discouraged, not to be discouraged, as Paul would say. Or is to get up and do it again and keep going and we need friends around us and that's why the innovation team so good because there's a group of us now that are supporting one another and when we're told our idea's mad, we're not stupid we do go through the detail of all these things to try and make sure we're doing the right thing and we do pray about it and go into that space but sometimes you just have to have a leap of faith and and not listen to the naysayers so and, and we're Scots for heaven's sakes we're the we're the best pessimists in the world. Even when we beat Spain 2-0, we don't think we'll qualify. We think we're going to lose to Norway because it's easier to be there. <laughs> We've learned. <laughs> but in some ways with the church, we mustn't be like that. Our, our nature needs to be overcome. And we need the enthusiasm of, of um, uh, Hannah. You know, we need the brilliance of that to keep us going. And that's why it's a joy to work with Hannah. <laughs>
3: Don't you think what we need to do is gift ourselves the freedom just to take the jump? You know, sometimes you just have to take the jump. Um, And we also have to meet people where they are. That's the other thing, you know, about the relevance of the church. Because society has moved on, you know, into the digital domain. And it's moved on to, there's so many competing interests for people's eyeballs and their ears and there's so much out there to saturate people with. Um, but that's we need to be operating in all of those spaces to, to bring the good news. I mean, in a way, this is exactly the same deal as the apostles. I mean, they did what they did in their time for their time. We need to do what we do in our time and have the freedom and the belief and the faith to take the leap and to do it. And if that means podcasts, and if that means um, television series and all that kind of, if that's what it means, well, that's what it means in my book. And that's really one of the, the ways where I think innovation can really, can really help. It's because, like when I was chatting to Jalomo, his whole thing is art. I would never have seen art other than St. John of Christ and the Cross as being particularly religious or anything that moved me until I talked to that guy and I understood it. I thought, oh, right, right. That's what that's all about. That innovation means that. And then when I'll hear some music that connects me with the Spirit, you know, connects me with God, or I'll listen to a podcast or I'll hear somebody speak or through all of the ways that i consume the world around me um, surely we need to be in all those spaces but we need and we need to be in it together and we need to be innovative and think about how do we get there and how do we say something new in these spaces so that people will listen
2: i think yeah. i completely agree and i think also like and when i think about the the ways in which god revealed themselves in the bible god Often, I'm, I'm, I'm clicking through my head here, of the, of the um, can I say always? I'm not quite sure. There's always one, isn't there, that, that means you can't say always. But the way in which God revealed was a moving thing. The flames in the bush move.
3: I, saw, I thought you said a fire. You know, <laughs> the, the, the,
2: the wind that passed by moves. The pillar of cloud moved. The light in the sky, the column of light moved. The dove that descended moved. God is a moving thing. Look, I make all things new. And sometimes I think if we continue to look where we last encountered God, we will miss where God is now. So if you had, if you connected with God in some powerful way through, I don't know, let's say, organ music. That is true and right and good and a proper encounter. But for you personally, if you keep only looking there, you will miss the new of God. And it could be anything. You could be a, an incredibly amazing you know, um, interpretive dance person. And if you only ever expect to encounter God through interpretive dance, if you only ever look there, then you will miss the new of God. God, Our God is a transformational God, and he wants us to transform because in community, God is always transforming. And so we need to, we need to understand that we are a movement. You know, it's a, it's a movement of God, and sometimes we've gone from movement to monument to mausoleum. We've stopped the movement. We've said, this is God. I'm going to put a cement box around it and then I'll know where it is and I can come back and find it whenever I need it. God never signed up for that. If you only look where you once found God, you will miss the new. And I think that's really important for us to understand.
0: Do you know something? I think you have summed this evening up so well, Hannah. That's a great summary of what what we're about to challenge us, to get us thinking, to back to inspiration again, to begin to see that God God isn't where you saw him last, he's moved on and you need to, you need to move with him. Uh, And and can I just remind you folks that Hannah has written a really lovely blog piece that you can listen and you can read on the Sanctuary First website and she picks up the whole idea of innovation, that the resurrection is God's biggest innovation. And uh, so if we want to see where new life is, we've got to encounter the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. So, guys, can I thank you so much for being with us tonight and for sharing with us? It's been a great time, great 45 minutes of conversation and chat. And uh, I'm glad we left it kind of free flow like this because we started off with money, but we ended, off, we ended up with movement <laughs> and the God who moves us into so many, many different places. And I hope that you've enjoyed being with us tonight. Thanks, Alan. So thank you all for being with us. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Hannah. And thank you, Ian. And thank you, Laura. And also thank you to Ray Manger, who's behind us, doing all the technical stuff to make the podcast work. Thank you. So God until well. time, <coughs> we meet again on the last Friday of the month. Have a good month. God bless.
4: God bless. Bye.